we'll be talking about First Corinthians 13 this morning. When I saw that um, the theme for the lectures was God's love, I thought, well, what chapter comes to mind first, right? And we all kind of have those thoughts. And I'm going to have to be standing over here quite a bit today because I'm tied to the mouse that's on this system. Um, and so when we think about 1 Corinthians 13, I mean, I've, I've been in youth ministry for too long to admit, um, close to 30 years, and I've done many, many weddings. And when you sit and talk with a couple through premarital counseling and all these things, now when we get to your wedding, what passages stand out to you? 1 Corinthians 13. And so I don't have a problem with that at all. I think what we do with 1 Corinthians 13 is usually very good. We take this and talk about the, the qualities of love, the ability of love, the importance of love, and that's what the Apostle Paul is talking about. But I also think in doing so, we pull this completely out of context. And we've missed some of what Paul is saying. If we just want to talk about the power of love and how important love is, that will drive us down the road in the right direction. But what I want to do today, I'm not going to line out a whole series of logical points for you. You're not going to have to take a ton of notes today. I, I would prefer to kind of look at this chapter and say, what is really Paul doing with this chapter? And what is God trying to say as Paul is working with the church in Corinth and writing this difficult letter? You wouldn't think this letter would be in the middle of a, a letter where people are having so many problems and a church that seems to be so troubled. That's right, Ellie, I agree with you. Amen, yeah. And it's one of those things where if you stop to think about it, I'm going to give you one profound thought right here. So get ready for it. If you want to write this down, this would be the one to hang on to. That... Um, 1 Corinthians 13 comes right after 1 Corinthians 12. And right before 1 Corinthians 14. And we think of these two chapters, 12 and 14, as chapters on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And, and I grew up in the churches of Christ where we didn't talk about those chapters very much except to say these things all went away. And I don't want to you know, slam that or make fun of that, but it's just, it's just what it was as I grew up. But as I've spent time in ministry and time in, in studying theology, I've realized that there's a lot more going on here. And what Paul is trying to do with this church is he's trying to take a church that is hurting and broken by factions and people who are looking and saying, look how great I am, I have this. Look how great I am, I have this. Look how great I am, I have this. And he wants to say, it's not about those gifts at all. Those gifts exist because they come from God by the Holy Spirit. But there's a better gift that you should all have first. So I want to take just a moment and let Paul do the speaking, let the Spirit do the speaking. And we're going to go through um, chapter 12 and 13. And I'm going to do it in a, a way I think is, is engaging and creative. Uh, I, it is going to be an audience participation because you're going to read scripture from the wall. It's not that difficult. Nobody's going to have to stand up and do anything goofy. Except for this first volunteer. So I do, I do need a volunteer to, to uh, go through an activity for me. Who, who can help me? And they may call somebody to help them as well. So who, who wants to jump up and jump in? I promise you it's not difficult. It's I'm only good. mostly embarrassing. Come on up. Ages. Factors. Oh, of course. You've got this all. Okay. And so, Jean, yes. where, where are you from, Jean? Oklahoma City. All right. Nice. So glad you're here this morning. Thank you. Uh, well, I have a, a task for you. Yes. You see in this in this bucket, you can yes. step over to this side. Yes. There are eight balls in that bucket. 
And what I want you to do is just simply take these, no more than two at a time. They're, they're stuck in there nice and tight. You'll take them out and move them over and set them in that bowl so everyone can see them. Okay? Now, hang on. I have more instructions. I will give you instructions one step at a time. And I want you to go through each of these steps just as I tell you. But I'm confident you've got all the skills you need to pull this off. There's no question. Uh, because you stood up and walked over here. That's all you need. And so I'm going to give you some instruction. And, and down the road, if you feel like you're going to need some help from someone else, just call on someone and say, okay, hey, you know, I don't know, you in the purple jacket or, you know, whatever stands out to you. Uh, please stand up and help me out. So here's the first thing. The first two balls, I want you to move from this bucket to that bowl using your hands. Okay. So go right ahead. No bouncing. Look at that. Just move. Well done. Give her, give her a hand. <laughs> two working hands with ten fingers on the ends of two arms. That's excellent. All right. Go ahead. And now you're going to move two more balls, only this time. I noticed that you went beyond my instructions, which is fine. Yeah. I didn't tell you not to. But you didn't just use your hands, you used also your feet and your legs and all these body parts working together, which was just fine. But now I'm going to restrict you to your hands only, with the exception of, oh, let's use your arms as well, because it's tough. We're not, you know, T-Rexes, we, we have arms. And so I'll let you use your hands and your arms to get two balls into the bowl. Now, if you think you might need some help, that's where you might ask someone, hey, here's what I'm going to do. Would you please go over there and make sure these actually make it into the bowl for me? Would that be helpful? That would be fair. Who would you like to have do that? Uh, or is there a volunteer to help her out? I like that purple jacket. <laughs> <laughs> you were just right in front of my face. I didn't know. Hmm. All right. Would you assist me in taking the orange bowl? And can you handle the... Put them in the bowl. Oh, I, see. Gonna I didn't give you any instructions. You can do whatever you want. Oh, you're just helping her. <laughs> you're just helping her. Yeah, I, I thought you'd have her stand there and throw them to her. Good job. And what is your name? Mi Ying. Mi Ying. Give her a big hand for Mi Ying. Well done. All right. Okay. Now, there are four more balls in here. I want to get them moved. Only this time, I want you to get them over there without using your hands. Now, if you need to use your hands to actually get them out, I'll do this for you. We'll get them out. All right? Now, get them over there without using your hands. Okay. Let everyone on the tape see that she's stuck it under her chin using her neck, shoulders. Oh. Now, this is going to be more difficult. I'll take care of that for you. You got it too. I don't have to get my chin. No, you don't need to lay down on the floor. Okay. She brought that over under her chin and it bounced off the table and then miraculously went back in the bowl. And now she's done the same thing with the second. She's got it under her chin. She's coming over. And she drops it in the bowl. Gently. Give her a big hand. Well done. Okay. So. You've done a lot of movement. You feel like your heart's pumping and your blood's yeah. flowing and all that kind of stuff. And walk. You did. All right. She's been out moving around. She's all warmed up. Lots of blood flow going on. So here's the last task. I would like you to take these last two balls, and then this bucket will be empty. Show everyone so they can all see it. Nothing up my sleeve. I would like you to take these last two balls and put them over there using any body part you want, as long as it has absolutely no blood flow whatsoever. 
No blood flow whatsoever. Okay, so let me tip you off. That's totally not possible. We'll talk about that more later on. Give her a hand for all the time she just possibly slept here again. All right, thank you. The other body parts work only because they're empowered by the blood flow that's going on through us. We'll talk about that in just a moment. So what we're going to do now is read through 1 Corinthians 12 and take a look at that and see the illustration that Paul is bringing out. He's talking to a church that has become fractured, that has different factions. He's talking to a church that has great sin. There is at least one person who is now living in sin with his mother-in-law. There are lots of things going on, and the church has still accepted them and walked through this, and Paul is trying to straighten all these things out. And then there are arguments over who has which gift and who's the better person and who's the smarter and who's the brightest and who is loved more, who's been baptized by this person, according to that person, and they have all these factions, and Paul is coming in saying, let's break that all down. And so in this chapter, he's dealing with a lot of those things. So I need one person who will read quite a bit for us. There are going to be white text, and all the white text will be yours, and then as a group, we'll read the other parts, and this is going to make sense for you as we get into it, but who'd like to read a majority of, of chapter 12 for us as it comes up on the PowerPoint? Thank you. All right. We'll get to this right now. <clears throat> so, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Whenever it comes to green, all of us are reading this together. To listen to see what Paul is trying to do in this passage. And what is the major point he's bringing out. When it's white, it's yours to read nice and loud. Okay? All right. Now, about the, the gifts, gifts of the, the Spirit. Spirit. Brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who's speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same, same Lord. Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same, same God. God at work. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit, the manifestation of the Spirit. is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same, same Spirit. Spirit. To another, faith. By the same, same spirit. spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one, one spirit. spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these things are the work of one, one and same spirit. spirit. And he distributes them to each one just as he determines. If we pause right there, what is Paul's main point? There's one spirit. All of these gifts that you have come from that one same spirit. Let's just hold on to that for a moment. And think about in our churches and what's going on 
when we think of, oh, this person's so good at that, this person's so good at that, this person's so good at that. I wish I had this gift and not the gift I have, or I wish I was more gifted. And Paul is telling you, these gifts that are coming out in all these various ways, they're not about you. They're coming from the one same Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God, empowering and working in His church. We're going to move forward. We're going to break this down a little bit more. We're going to introduce some blue text and some yellow text. The blue text will be read by the men in the room. The yellow text by the women in the room. Okay. And you'll continue reading the white for us, please. And if there's ever a green, blue and yellow make everyone in the room, right? So, so that's what we're doing as we work through this. But pay attention to what Paul is doing in this chapter as he continues to make this point about the Holy Spirit driving all of these gifted activities in the, in the body. Go ahead. Just as the body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by one, one spirit. spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we are all given the one, one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, Because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, Because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not be, for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where could the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where could the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. Now, this is a lesson we teach to kids, right? We bring this into Sunday school and we talk about all the body parts working together. But I think what Paul is trying to say is something that is that elemental, something that simple to originally comprehend, but so much more complicated to actually live out. To look at our church and say, okay, who are the people that we rise up to the top, the ones that we think are so amazing? Those who can speak and teach and they've taken the stage. But who's the one that allows them to be heard in a massive auditorium. It's that guy or girl or woman who, who just shows up on Sunday, sits in the back and makes sure there's no feedback on the mic. And there's no, you know, the PowerPoint keeps moving. And we think of them as, well, you're just a little servant. Not the next person speaking is so important. And Paul says, ridiculous. Without one, you, you can't have the other. Without feet, the hands are going to have trouble getting anywhere. And he says, let this come home to you. Because this is what the Holy Spirit is doing by empowering us to use these different gifts. He's starting to line this out. And he goes even more emphatically in the next section of chapter 12. So let's go to there and we'll continue to read. <clears throat> the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment, but God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that, that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, 
but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. All prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all have gifts of healing, do all speak in tongues, do all interpret, now we eagerly desire the greater gifts. And I show you the most excellent way. Just to bring this home, remember that Paul is talking to a factious church. We started to argue back and forth over many different things. They've got sin, they're not healing them. They've got people who think they're more important because their gift is better than others. And I don't want to put down the people who raised me and gave me the faith. But there were times in my younger days that this passage was used just to lead to the end of chapter 13 where it says all these things will pass away. And their point was, all these things have passed away. And what I got from them was, and so is the Holy Spirit. Because if, if the Spirit brings all these gifts to the body and does all these things and empowers people to do all these things, but these things have stopped, then maybe the Spirit has stopped as well. No one said that to me. No one wanted to push that on me. But it was completely left in the cracks and spoken in the silence. And I think what we need to do is come back to this passage and let Paul say to us, look, when you were baptized into Christ Jesus, Romans chapter 6, you were baptized into his death. It is no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. So the power that works in me is the power of the Holy Spirit. And if that is true, he'll bring gifts out of you. Each one of you is individual. You need to be in the body of Christ using your gifts and your abilities and allow the Spirit to empower you in such a way that you can do some things in ways that are more effective than what others do. I love the behind-the-scenes servers at our church. There's a lady named Renee who is phenomenal on doing everything behind the scenes. Our live stream that we started in COVID just to survive is there because Renee is so great at pulling these things together and making it happen. She's constantly behind the scenes. But if you say, hey, we want to say thank you next week, she goes, no, 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 no. Don't tell anybody what I do. I do not want to be up front. I get totally embarrassed. And I just go, praise God that this woman has these great gifts that we all stand on, and without her, it would fall apart. And she is so comfortable saying, this is how God has empowered me. In the Caneo Church, we're just one of those weird churches connected to a university, so if you skipped a rock across the Sunday morning service, it would bounce off the head of 12 PhDs before it got to the other side. We have all these people who can divide the text in any way possible, but so many of them, brilliant people, need to sit down with someone like a guy named Larry McNutt, who was a snap-on tool guy all his life, and a salesman. And he can look at him and say, okay, I understand you're talking about this text now, dude, but what does that mean to me? How am I supposed to live on Tuesday? And I'm like, Larry, that's your gift of saying, take it out of the clouds, let's make it practical. The Holy Spirit uses him to, I'm going to use this phrase, to dumb down the powerful message that comes from our PhDs. And our PhDs go, oh yeah, 
I got to slow down, use smaller words, and make it practical because it does, I don't want to impress you with my words. I want to get out of the way and show you what the Holy Spirit is showing me. And a guy like Larry makes that happen. And you can extrapolate this into your church all throughout as we go through all these things. These gifts are given by God through the Holy Spirit. And all of this happens in chapter 12. We haven't even gotten to chapter 13. Right? So let me just pause for a moment and see if there are any thoughts or comments or it, does this, I know this is no mind-blowing thing right now, but does it resonate with you? If so, how so? <laughs> you appreciate the parts. <laughs> yeah, we need to learn to appreciate all the parts, the different parts of the people and their gifts. And I think recognizing as well. There needs to be a time during the year that you say, hey, do you realize that front door lock was broken and this guy fixed it or this lady came in and cleaned the nursery and nobody was around? Do you realize people are doing this? I think that's incredibly important. From the youngest to the oldest. Absolutely. There is a spiritual presence that we have access to, and that is the Holy Spirit. Absolutely. Not finished with us, even if we're watching. Absolutely, yeah. And we do the best at, at Canada. I say that because it's my experience at the church I'm at, but we try to raise up these kids and tell them, and give them the stage once in a while to share their thoughts and to, to drive us along. And some, I am so impressed sometimes what comes from the mouth of a, a fifth grade student who says, well, here's what I think about Jesus. And I'm like, <laughs> forgotten that's so powerful and the spirit uses those people and if we never give them the ability to serve or to speak or to to walk alongside with us we're really missing out because maybe i'm wrong i i just turned 60 years old so i have the right to say i've been around long enough to i should know more things than i know and i'm just getting to the point where i realize i don't know them there are things i don't know when i was 30 I pretty much knew everything. I was good to go. Mm-hmm. You know, but now at 60, I'm like, okay. <laughs> Thank you for the Holy Spirit and for younger people who, who raise things up to me. And for older people who are saying, yeah, no, stick with this. Don't worry so much about that. I mean, there's wisdom that we need to share in all these, all these parts and the gifts. And, I, you know, anyway, one more comment from anybody. I'll move on to our next thing. Paul is driving toward what I think is his main point in this section. We won't go into chapter 14. He deals with a lot of the real conflict that's happening there. But I think he's driving for that in chapter 12. He lines out all these gifts. And then he says at the end of this, And yet I will show you a more excellent way. And he goes to what we know as chapter 13. So in that context of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit empowering us with gifts, think about Chapter 13, as we go into this. <clears throat> Let's use the same method. And uh, I know sometimes it's hard to tell the difference between yellow and green on this. Those are all green. This one's green. These are green. Everything else is either white, yellow, or blue. Make sense? Still remember your parts? All right, let's go. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do, do not, not have, have love, love I'm resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but if I do not have love, I am nothing. 
If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, you do not have love. I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does, does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not abide in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child, thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. And then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. We love this chapter. We read it over. We memorize it. It just rolls off. And at a couple places where something happened in the PowerPoint, it dropped the, the, the letter I. And you still said I am, which yeah. is great. Um, but Paul's main point is this is all about the Spirit. We did that little silly activity with the balls earlier to show... That without the blood flow, the hands, the feet, the arms, the legs are no good. And I think what Paul is telling you here is that the gift of the Holy Spirit through giving love is the blood flow in the body of Christ. And so we can look at this and say, well, I don't have the gift of prophecy. I don't have the gift of teaching. I don't have the gift of insight. I don't necessarily have the gift of wisdom. And you can think about all the spiritual gifts assessments that are out there that we all together. Are you a servant? Are you a, a, a caretaker? Are you, and you can, I'm not good at this, I'm not good at this. You can go through Enneagram, you can go through you know, Myers-Briggs, you can go all that stuff and, and try to figure out what is natural to your personality. But none of them says, oh, you're a person that will just never love. <laughs> Paul says this is foundational. And the problem with it being foundational is that we tend to not take it very seriously. And we tend to take 1 Corinthians 13 and think, yes, I'm going to love. I'm going to stand strong and be loved. And we, so we recite it at weddings and we talk about it with kids. And we say, you need to be a loving person. What Paul is saying is, you need to recognize that there is something that happens when the Holy Spirit enters a life. That they are given the ability to love in a way they've never been able to love before. Because this love is not romantic love. This love is not selfish love. This love is fully giving selfless caring for the other kind of love. And unless you're confused, let me clarify. That is not natural. <clears throat> the self-giving, other caring, putting others first kind of love is a love that only comes from God. And we can see it exhibited here and there in the life around us from people who don't know the Lord. But if you're going to fully live your life and you want to empower all the other gifts in the church, 
It must be driven by this lifeblood of love. It's the love that Christ exhibited. It's the love that Christ gave. And, and I'm, I like simple things. So for me, when I look at the biblical text, I'm looking for things that pop up all over the place. And if the same thing pops up several times, I go, oh, oh hey, that might be important. <coughs> and when Paul spends this whole chapter, and we all memorize this chapter, I want to step back and go, what is it about love? It is the most powerful, most important force in the world for making positive change. But what Paul is trying to say is all the factions for this church in Corinth, they would be solved if you would learn to love first. There are others in the, in the biblical text that say the same thing. So Paul's not making this up on his own. He's standing on the shoulders of at least a couple other people. I think it was Jesus who said something like, in answer to the question, what's the most important? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Is there a coincidence there, or is Jesus just coming up with a really nice, oh, that's a great statement. They'll, they'll make calligraphy about that and put it on the wall down the road. That's going to be nice. This is going to be a good one. <coughs> no, I think he's tapping into what is most important. It's what he was living out. Love is in there on purpose. Not romantic, kind of, I think you're cute kind of love, but I will give myself for you because it's that important to follow Christ, to love God first and love others. The apostles picked up on this and we'll see, you know, in, as Jesus moves on, he says, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So Jesus didn't just say, okay, get out there and love people. He spent years showing them and walking with them. And this is in John chapter 13 when he is right there washing their feet. They knew clearly this was a self-giving, selfless kind of love. Now go do the same thing to other people. It was the lifeblood of what would become the body of Christ. And so the apostle John picks up on this. And uh, he says in this passage... Dear friends, you know this. Let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves is being born of God. Whoever does not... What? Whoever does not... Love does not know God. Because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved, but that God loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. And I think Paul would stand there and say, yes, but it's not your own power. It's empowered by the Holy Spirit to make this happen. You know, there's a story um, that comes from uh, first or second century. And uh, I'm telling you this is a story because I've tried to track this down and find exactly where it is. Maybe one of you is smarter than me and you can find that. But this stuck with me years ago. I heard about um, Polycarp was an early martyr. And the story is that Polycarp in the church of Ephesus was talking um, to someone who was young in the group. So this would probably be about 150, 160. And um, he was telling a story about the apostle John in his old age. And um, so again, may not be true, but I love this story. And what he said was the apostle John would come and be a part of our, our assembly. And, and he would sit there and he would worship and he would cry and never have much to say. 
And, and every time, someone would give a thought or someone would give a, a word and, and we'd lead a prayer and say, John, do you have anything to share with us? And he would just say, little children, love one another. And this younger person kind of got frustrated. And finally, said to him, when they look, you walked with Jesus. You, you had all the insight, and that's all you have to say to us is love one another? And he says, the old apostle, just looking at him with a tear running down his cheek, said, if you had learned to love one another, I wouldn't have to say anything else. Mm -hmm. I love that story. And okay, so someday in heaven I'll go, John, is this true? I go, nah, they made that up. And that's okay. It's still really a great idea. Because I think that's what Jesus is trying to get across. <clears throat> that if you would just love as I have loved you, everything else will take care of itself. And it's not by my strength and my power, it's by the building of the Holy Spirit within me. That that is the first spiritual gift that we are given. The ability to learn to be selfless and to put others first. And so Paul goes on and picks this up again in 1 Thessalonians. I mean, this is the section where he's just about to say, we, we spent so much time with you that we, we loved you so much that we wanted to share not only the gospel of Christ, but our very lives as well. He was telling these people, I want to put life on life with you. That's why I'm here for you, because I've learned to love you so much. And I think he learned that through the Holy Spirit. So he says to them, may the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else just as ours has for you. And so Paul and Jesus and John are trying to drive home this idea that 1 Corinthians 13, this idea of love is not about being a nice person and just trying to do the best you can, but it's about realizing, God, without your Holy Spirit in me, I don't have the ability to care for others the way I need to care for them. And so I want to encourage you as you go through love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy it does not boast. It's okay teaching a junior high class to take Tiffany's name and put it there. If you're going to be like Christ, Tiffany is patient, Tiffany is kind. I, there's nothing wrong with that. But it's so much deeper to say, and it's only empowered by the Holy Spirit. And I want you to realize that when you learn to give yourself for others, that is a gift that is driven by the power of God in your life. And 1 Corinthians 13 really is the chapter of the Holy Spirit that empowers love more than it's just the chapter of love. And what Paul is doing in this, this section of 1 Corinthians is trying to help a church that has become fractured by their own desires for growth, for strength, for uh, insight, for wisdom, for, you know, to be... Um, respected or whatever, he's saying, those are all wrong priorities. Go back to who Jesus was. That's why he says, this is the most excellent way. Learn to love and give yourself up so that God can move you to put others first. That's all I have to share with you. Uh, I'd be glad to stick around and talk about more in a, a moment if you'd like to. But let me pray and then uh, I'll release you when you run off to your next class. Thanks for being in here. I appreciate your time with you. Father God, thank you so much for the way that you love and, and help us to figure out uh, how to get this lifeblood flowing through our veins and through our bodies and through the body of Christ that each of us is part of. Father, may you be driven uh, not only to be seen in us, but to be moving us to each other who don't know you yet. Father, you are so good and so loving and so holy. Help us to never reduce love to just a feeling. Father, help us to never reduce this chapter 
to just fodder for wedding ceremonies. But Lord, help us to drive deep into your Holy Spirit and be changed into the kind of people who love like you do. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Very nice. We have to take this shot. Thanks for having me. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> My pleasure. Yes. Yeah.